Hello, this is Frank Bellarati. I'm a professor at the Massachusetts College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences in Boston. The CDC reports that each day over 130 Americans die from opioid overdose and more than 2.5 million Americans suffer from opioid use disorder. We also know that over 400,000 Americans have died from an opiate overdose since 1999. I'm working on a project with a number of students and we're capturing the work being done by individuals and organizations that are on the front line of the opiate epidemic. Our goal in this project is to shed light on the individuals and organizations who are working every day to make the lives of others better as they deal with the impact of this deadly and insidious healthcare crisis. Today, I would like to welcome Tiffany Anderson to our podcast. Hi, Frank. Thank you so much for having me. Tiffany, thank you. So, Tiffany, I recently heard you speak at a meeting hosted by District Attorney Marion Ryan, focused on the opiate epidemic. I was so impressed by your courage to share your story, the progress you've made personally, and how you're now in a position to help others, which it sounds like you do each and every day. Tiffany, would you mind sharing a little bit about your background and what prompted you to become one of the resources helping others who struggle with opiates and other substances? Sure. I guess I can give you a little bit of personal background. I grew up in a two-family home, or two-parent home, rather, I apologize, in, um, you know, the suburbs. I had the perfect life, per se. I, I wanted for nothing. And um, along the way, there was a few poor choices and, you know, hanging with the wrong crowd. And then um, over time, my substance use disorder took off. And um, around that time when it intensified, I had gotten into a severe car accident, um, which led more heavily on the opioid dependency. I guess we can skip over the gory details, but I came to recovery in 2015. My back was against the wall. I was a mother of a three-year-old, and I was about to lose that title. I was about to lose my child, my place to live, and ultimately my will to live. So I, in that moment, I chose to turn my life around. I went to further treatment, which unfortunately is not always an option in Massachusetts, but I was very thankful to be able to get a bed in a facility that gave me the time I needed to get sturdy that, so that I could face you know, life on life's terms without substances. When I was about 18 months clean, I decided I wanted to work directly with the community that I was a part of. So I started working in an inpatient detox as a case manager because in particular, I feel like in very early recovery, there's such a small window where people are willing to get help. And that moment of desperation is when they reach out and they need people that understand to grasp on when they're ready. So I worked Um, in the detox facility for about two years. And then I decided that I wanted a change of pace. Um, I wanted to work with moms in recovery like myself in longer term, in longer terms rather, so that I could work alongside them and and help them achieve their goals. And that leads me to where I am now at Jewish and Family Children's Services with Project Mass. You know, it's an amazing story. And, you know, it's it's so heartening to see people like yourself who actually find the pathway to recovery. And would you mind telling us about your role at the Jewish Family and Children's Services? Um, so my role with Jewish Family and Children's Services is with Project Nest and also in a um, federally granted program called First Steps Together. And my role is maternal recovery specialist. I work alongside parent-child clinicians with moms at any point in their pregnancy up till the child is three years old. And 
what my role is, is I help moms more on a peer level. So finding them resources, whether it be WIC or food stamps or housing, things of that nature. And then also helping these moms with like recovery needs or meetings, things of that nature. And also, you know, the meat and potatoes of it really is that I can have a conversation with these women and listen to these women and understand the underlying feelings and needs that they have. I think that's what makes the role of the maternal recovery specialist so unique is that it gives these moms the feelings that they're not alone and somebody understands what they're going through. I totally get that. And I know there's a big movement about recovery coaches. And I'm just wondering Mm -hmm. your thoughts on that whole idea. Like how, how much more effective are you since you've actually walked in a lot of these women's shoes and that you really understand first? Could you do this without having had that personal experience? You know, that's a really good question. I think when it comes to recovery coaching or peer mentors or what have you, I think, and speaking from my own perspective when I was in treatment, that it helps a lot to know that the person has gone through what you have been through. No doubt there are workers out there that do not have a substance use disorder, but have dealt with maybe family who is in recovery or something along those lines, but there's really something about your worker or your mentor living what you've lived. And I think that's pretty important. And that's why I feel like the recovery coach aspect is really taking off the way it has. Yeah. Let me ask you a slightly different question, which is, do you have a sense as to why are we in this epidemic? Why are so many people, you know, the CDC estimates two and a half million people. I've heard BU estimate 10 million people struggling with, with opioid use disorder. And we know we've lost hundreds of thousands of people. But what's your sense as to why we got into this dilemma? I think it's kind of a number of reasons. I think one of the greatest reasons is, unfortunately, people being prescribed medications and not understanding the power of them. I think a lot of these doctors and physicians who were prescribing this medication truly did it with a good heart and thinking that they were doing the right thing for their patients and not understanding how the power, I guess, of these medications and how uh, much of a grip that they get in their clients, especially um, people who already have substance use disorder to begin with. And I also think it has a lot to do with maybe it's not a new thing. Does that make sense? Maybe this has been going on a lot longer than people realize, but now it's starting to affect people from all walk life. And that's yeah. shedding more light on to the public on how severe this is. Like, like I am a perfect example of somebody who is not a product of their environment. Nobody in my immediate family has a substance use disorder. I come from a background where we were financially sound and I'm not a product of my environment. And the more and more we're seeing people from different walks of life um, with different careers, like doctors, lawyers, every person you can imagine, we're starting to see that these people struggle with substance use disorder as well. And I think that's what's bringing this to light as much as it is. I totally agree with that. I, I know the New York Times wrote an article about a year ago saying that it really became an opiate epidemic when it hit the white suburban neighborhoods. Up until then, you know, it was the same problem that, you know, people had often seen this as other people's problems. But Exactly. So- can you tell us what keeps you motivated in this fight? You know, and maybe you can share a story of, of people you're helping and how they give you, uh, you know, extra motivation and, and encouragement every day. Absolutely. 
for my own personal reasons of why I stay clean, I would say that it is my role as a mother and my family that continuously gives me support no matter what. And also working with these women also has a huge impact on my recovery as well. I don't, I know, I'm sure you've heard of AA and NA, but that was a big part of how I got and I stayed clean. And there's one thing that they always say that I never quite understood before. And it was that the newcomer is the most important person in the meeting. And that can translate to outside of a meeting as well, because as I meet with these women who are newer in recovery or newer to motherhood, I see myself in them. And I see the fear and the desperation and the yearning for a better life. And it's very, very sobering and it's very powerful to watch these women fight so hard for the very things that I am so blessed to have now. It's a huge motivator because I'm not exempt from relapse. I am an addict and I will always be one. So to see these women work as hard as they do kind of reminds me that I need to continue my journey and continue to work just as hard. I love the whole recovery community because I think, you know, we're humble, but, you know, we're, I think, you know, people like you are doing so many things that you don't even realize how helpful you are just by being the example you are every day. So um, Thank you. So let me ask you about um, any barriers or constraints that make your work more difficult? You know, there has been plenty of times in my um, career in substance, in the substance use disorder field that I have been like, I can't do this anymore. This is too much. And I think it all boils down to the aspect of self-care. It's really important when working in this field to take care of self and to make sure that your needs are met and to make sure that you're still doing your recovery path and doing the things that kept you clean in the first place. And, and that ultimately, I think, is what weighs on me at times because I, um, as somebody who works in this field, I bear witness to a lot of very heavy things. And I work through a lot of difficult things with these women. And, you know, I laugh with these women and I cry with these women. And, and sometimes it can be very, very difficult. And, you know, we all have our personal lives and our personal struggles and, you know, things going on within it that, you know, as much as we try to separate home and work, we're only human. So I think for me, being able to take a step back and processing what I experience at work with these women properly and taking care of self is so hugely important. So uh, I'm going to ask you just a couple more questions, Tiffany. One question I have is if you were to sit down with policymakers, let's say the governor or other policymakers, and say, here's some things I'd like to see happen. What are some of the things you'd like to see among policymakers, healthcare providers? I think there's a few things that I feel very strongly about. My number one thing that I feel needs to be addressed is the lack of aftercare in the state. Massachusetts has a plethora of detoxes and sober houses. However, the most vital stage in recovery is the first 90 days, and there does not seem to be enough beds available in CSS or TSS programs. And I know a lot of that has to do with insurance needs and unfortunately money. It's become a business. And I think our state really needs to take a hard look at some of our funding and, and where it needs to go. Um, I think we're taking a step in the right direction with the recovery coach aspect. But I mean, if people can't get past 90 days, then us recovery coaches won't have a job. So I think thinking about the middle stage of recovery is really big. And I also, my second thought, if I could bring to the governor, would be 
training for social workers within hospitals, within DCF, within OBGYN offices to have them participate in some sort of continuing education course that involves substance use and addiction because I see a lot in this line of work of social workers, particularly, unfortunately, DCF being very insensitive to these moms and their needs. The language used, the attitude towards them is unfortunately very negative. And some of the things that are said or done to these women can be devastating on their recovery. So I feel like it would be important for these social workers, nurses, et cetera, to have that education behind them. I just I just feel like it's so important. I just um I understand that they're they're looking out for the children and the babies, but these moms are people too and they need support, not discrimination and, and judgment. Absolutely. So the last question we have for you, uh, Tiffany, is you know, I, I work with a lot of students and, and other people, and if you were to give some words of advice or ask something of them about how they can help others with this whole problem, do you have any, any things you'd like to convey to them? I guess I would tell them if they're working with this population of people with addictions or people in recovery is to look at them no different than you would look at anybody else or a quote-unquote normal person. Nobody as a child thinks they'd find themselves in the position of being a heroin addict or a cocaine addict or an alcoholic. Um, Nobody's dream is to be homeless and be shooting drugs. And just, I guess, to look at them in the same light that you would look at somebody with a mental health disorder or somebody who has suffered trauma because studies have shown that a large majority, I don't know the exact percentage, but a large majority of people that have substance use disorders have suffered extremely traumatic lives. And we wouldn't look at a person who is suffering from trauma and a mental health disorder as trash or as lesser than us or that they don't deserve help. So I guess I would ask them to look at these people in a lens of it's somebody who needs help. As they say in the halls, it's not a moral deficiency where we have a disease. Absolutely. Just like diabetes or anything else. So I want to thank you so much for your time and and your insights. And, you know, this this has been a great interview for us. And uh, do you have any questions before we, we hang up? I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to sit down with me. And thank you very much for the work that you do on the forefront of this epidemic and luck when your endeavors. Thank you. As you know, Tiffany, it's really it's a it's an honor and a privilege for those of us in recovery to be able to to do something positive. So we'll keep up the work, and and I hope I'll see you soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Frank. Thank you. Bye.